Welcome, everybody. Episode 23 of the Academy of Management Review Origin Series, this podcast and video series in which we try and take you behind the curtain to understand how theory is created, what's the background story to many of the exciting papers that we've got upcoming and in press at the Academy of Management Review. I'm Greg Fisher, and I'm going to be uh, continuing to host this series. So it's a it's a privilege to have you all here. And I'm uh, joined by uh, Jennifer and Jeremy, um, and they're going to talk to us a little bit about their paper entitled Nonprofit Organizations as Multi-Sided Platforms. Um, two sort of fascinating concepts that have not previously been brought together. Um, and their paper certainly does a lot of bringing them together, helping us see nonprofit organizations through something of a new lens, which is fascinating, interesting, and I think opens up lots of new avenues, new opportunities, and new ways of seeing nonprofits, which is exciting. Um, so welcome, Jeremy and, and Jennifer. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us. Before we get into talking about the paper, perhaps you can give us just a little bit of a background introduction to each of yourselves, starting with you, Jennifer. Um, great. Well, thank you, Greg, and thank you for having us. Um, I um, I did my PhD at Berkeley. I'm an IO economist, um, industrial organization, um, and uh, according to Jeremy, that makes three of us in the world now studying nonprofits. So that's how we connected. Jeremy, where are you at, and, and what what's what's brought you to this point? Yes, uh, I'm a professor of economics and currently serving a tour as associate dean at the Brock School of Business at Sanford University in Birmingham, uh, Alabama. Uh, prior to my academic career, I was in international relief and development doing micro lending, which really sparked my interest in the nonprofit sector and have spent most of my career uh, thinking about nonprofits as organizations as a technology to deliver services and how economics might approach that. Awesome. So we land up in this in this place where we've got nonprofit organizations and 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 uh, that's sort of been the context and the the, the phenomenon of interest, um, and and bring bring coming at it with a sort of alternative lens from what's been looked at in the past, um, and that's sort of my very layman's uh, outsider perspective description of, of what's going on here. But perhaps a better starting point would be to ask you to give us your sort of one or two minute elevator pitch of what this paper is about. Yeah, so so Jeremy and I tend to disagree on pretty much everything, but I'll give you my elevator pitch. Um, we are hoping to write a paper that gives people a novel and useful way of modeling or thinking about nonprofits and what they do using the same sort of orthodox analytical tools that we use for modeling and thinking about for-profits. So um, we, like I said, we are coming at this from kind of an economics um, perspective using those kind of tools. Um, and the literature on nonprofits in that area has fallen really short, we thought, in, um, in explaining nonprofit behavior and being able to make predictions and things like that, things we like to be able to do. Um, and that's a problem for firms and policymakers 
um, that have to deal with nonprofits as competitors, suppliers, and, and so on. So we're hoping that this will give people a handle on how to think about how to analyze nonprofits alongside things that we think we understand better, like for-profits. So you sort of started to allude to it as to who the audience might be, certainly some of the more pragmatic or, or external audiences. But if you if you were to sort of disentangle a few key audiences that you think this paper might appeal to, who would you say is the sort of target or the, 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 the key potential readers and users of the ideas in this paper? Well, Greg, the, the origin of this paper was really a managerial audience trying to answer a simple question that nonprofits have really hard doing, hard time doing is, what price do you set? Um, that is not straightforward in for-profits, but we can all agree on what you're trying to do. Uh, with nonprofit, that actually becomes a surprisingly complicated question in practical terms. And as it turns out, as we are developing this, this paper in theoretical terms, even what we think they might do. So we start out with this real practical question of trying to offer that some tools to nonprofit managers. But out of that exploration, we sort of backed into what were actually some really complicated theoretical problems and some holes in the literature where both of us were dealing with the nonprofit sector literature and have found that though it's 10% of the U.S. economy, um, there's not a lot of good economic theory to even think about how nonprofit organizations are setting their prices, interacting with each other, and answering all these uh, important questions. So ultimately, you think that, you know, nonprofit managers could be looking at this and saying, oh, we can think about our pricing slightly differently as a result of reading this. Um, what, what scholarly audiences do you think might pick up on this? So what typical, more typical readers of AMR are going to get excited about this paper, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a growing interest in nonprofits because of the areas of the economy. Jeremy talked about 10% of the economy, but they're really these really kind of important and sort of socially important areas that 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 management scholars are starting to really care about and try to understand. Um, and so I think giving people the analytical tools, and there's also growing literature that I think is really exciting. Um, and so giving sort of these kind of analytical tools um, to people trying to understand the production of social goods. Um, and sometimes where for-profits and nonprofits are, are competing, you know, um, um, in a number of areas, maybe CSR, so um, corporate social responsibility kinds of activities. So Asim Cole has done, and Jao Lo have, have done really great work in that area. So trying to also just kind of make that analysis easier um, and more straightforward could open up um, new areas of um, research, um, hopefully, uh, of people interested in in that sort of competition or that kind of production, how we can produce social goods, um, that sort of thing. Yeah, right so, so that was one of the things that struck me as I read the paper is that, you know, it's got this nonprofit grounding, but really nonprofits are in the the business, if you if you will, mm -hmm. of creating social value of sorts. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and more and more and more, we examine other organizational forms uh, over and above nonprofits being mm -hmm. utilized to create social value. And it's almost like this multi-sided platform approach that you adopt to understanding 
nonprofit pricing and then nonprofit value creation mm -hmm. could be imported and adapted to understand social value creation and social uh, value pricing in, in an even broader sense. So, you know, I think a lot of what's been done in the sort of social entrepreneurship and social hybrid organizing literature has often come from a more sociological kind of bent or angle and overlaying this econo more economic lens, I think really opens up fascinating perspectives on um, pricing, value creation, and understanding how that 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 may um, may play out. So, mm -hmm. so that was one of the other audiences that struck me as I read the paper is is sort of everyone who's who's in that social value creation kind of world. I, well, I totally. Oh, go ahead, Jeremy. Well, Greg, I think you're exactly right. Um, we're we're in a strange trend right now where nonprofits are trying to behave more like for profits, and for profits are trying to behave more like nonprofits. That that area is converging uh, for, for a variety of, of kind of strange reasons. But nonprofit theory for trying to, to build these models to try to predict what firms were going to do was really stuck um, really back in the 90s, uh, where instead of having kind of this flexible model, we just changed the objective function. It was very ad hoc. And we, we discussed this quite a bit in the paper. And it was frustrating because there was no way to discern um, what would the appropriate objective function was and how that would compete against other objective functions. And this, this paper turned into, the, I don't know that was original intent, a test case uh, to see if this platform theory, which is really one of the few recent innovations in microeconomic theory in the past 25 years, uh, would be uniquely helpful um, in understanding that convergence and how to think about it. And so th this paper was us fleshing out that particular idea, and I think it turned out to be particularly useful, and we hope very extendable into more specific areas of platform theory. So I, I th that's the other thing that struck me about this as an opportunity is to say, where else does platform theory apply? So mm -hmm. this is a very elegant and um, concise and, and, and specific application to nonprofits, but then you... Uh, some of the, some of the things that were striking me was, um, you know, th there's 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 other places where one could essentially do something similar, but for other organizational forms or for other types of of, of sort of value creation. So, so well done on sort of getting to that point of sort of bringing these two disparate areas together and allowing us to see the the world in a new way. Can you tell us a little bit about the genesis? So you, you alluded to it partly there, Jeremy, where that you were suddenly intrigued by pricing in, in, in nonprofits. But can you can you peel back a few more layers and then and then walk us through how things evolved from that point of 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 pricing to getting to the point of arriving at platform theory or multi-sided platforms and platform theory and then and then turning it into an AMR paper? So tell us sort of the story of the paper from the genesis through its some of its evolution? I um, had been working on platform a platform paper um, and uh, was asked to review a paper for a nonprofit journal. And um, something about the way the author described nonprofits or defined a nonprofit, um, a light bulb went on because 
one of the big um, sort of findings of nonprofit or sorry of platform models is um, that you subsidize one side um, because you can make more money on the other side, right? And so sometimes you give away that price on one side goes all the way to zero, so like free Google searches and free Facebooks. Um, memberships and things like that, right? So, so that was something that's now commonly understood about platforms, but it was a kind of a big sort of finding in the platform literature. Um, and so something about the paper I was reviewing um, struck a chord or a light bulb went on and um, I actually sort of in my paper review sketched out, you know, well, this paper isn't quite working, but here's something you could do. And I sort of briefly sketched out this platform idea in my paper review. And I never heard back <laughs> from the journal. So anyway, so we met at, Jeremy and I met at uh, this conference and we were talking about ideas. And I thought, oh, well, this is a, a really easy peasy, you know, low hanging fruit idea that we could try this out. And he thought, you know, like maybe this could this could address this pricing problem because again, the the kind of the big sort of finding in platform that literature is that subsidization of one side. So anyway, so that was the sort of kernel of that from my perspective. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just add to that. Um, it all due credit when we first met, Jenny was like, "Hey, how, have you ever thought about platform theory?" I was like, "I don't know. I'll read up on that." <laughs> um, but I'd spent the previous decade uh, banging my head against uh, the theoretical wall in the nonprofit literature. And what was frustrating about it is, you know, nonprofit is a tax status, which is not as interesting to economists as you might think. Um, what's interesting about it is that you have this one side that is altruistic or trying to subsidize the consumption of a different market. And that's what's interesting. And platform theory seemed to unlock so many puzzles that were, were just roadblocks in, in existing nonprofit theory. Um, and so that really unlocked and, and we see a, a ample room to run with this topic. Can you give us a little bit of a sense? So, so Jenny, you told us you were sort of working with platform theory already. Um, uh, Jeremy, for you, how did you start to get your hands around platform theory, platform models, platform modeling, if you hadn't hadn't been in that space before, just to, to give people a sense of what they might do if they come across an interesting theoretical perspective that they're not deep into, but they need to familiarize themselves enough with and become familiar enough with such that they can, you know, theorize an AMR style paper around that perspective. What, what did you do to educate yourself? Yeah, there's kind of three avenues to that. One was reading some some very managerial oriented literature to say, okay, what are the right questions here to even ask? What problems are we trying to solve? Uh, and then secondly, you just go to the source, the, the Rocher and Tirole paper. Uh, you just spend a lot of time you know, working through those models very carefully. Um, but there was really no substitute to building our own model from scratch. Uh, it just doesn't make sense to you to you take pen to paper. Um, and just write your own model. And we did it in a very specific context. And the difficulty wasn't really the modeling, it was the translation of concepts. So how do you think about prices in a donor market? You know, what price are they paying? Uh, how do you begin to think about elasticities or, or these concepts and transferring 
concepts from one application to another was was the much more challenging part uh, to that process. So, what did you can you can you give us a sense? So, so just for the 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 the, the listeners and the viewers who haven't seen the paper, the, the, this is a there's a formal model. Um, there is um, you know very clear and explicit assumptions, and uh, in fact, a, a, a very revealing. Um, sort of uh, figure to lay everything out initially. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the process of theorizing using formal modeling? Um, because I think, you know, uh, it, it's something that AMR has become more open to over the last few years since since Jay Barney was, was editor and continues to be open to it. And, and I've seen a couple of papers in press that, that have utilized uh, a couple of additional more recent papers that have utilized this approach. So Jenny, can you give us a little bit of a sense of what that process looks like? Do you start with the model? Do you then start writing around it? When do you pull in examples? When do you write the intro and, and, and the, the, the discussion? How, how does it ultimately coalesce when, you're, when, when, when one of the core elements of the paper is this formal modeling aspect? That is a great question. Um, so Partly, um, I would say you don't start with the model. Um, so you start with the concept um, and you only do a model if you have to. So that was my the advice I got from one of my advisors in grad school, Ben Hermelin, who's a really great modeler um, um, from whom I learned, you know, like how to how to do a lot of stuff. And um, his feeling was, you know, like don't use equations if you don't have to. <laughs> and so um, in part, you know, it was, we, I, I told you, Jeremy and I disagree on a lot of things. So it was a lot, a lot of it was to convince him, <laughs> you know, that we had something and that this was actually mathematically correct. So I was like, okay, fine. Let's, you know, let's like write this stuff down, you know, um, and be kind of, kind of rigorous about this um, it, with the idea that, you know, like if the, if in the end the model doesn't actually help, you know, reveal something, then you, you, you do it for yourself and then you don't put it in the paper. So like, don't use equations if you don't have to. Um, so that was kind of my, the kind of like advice I had gotten in grad school. And that was sort of the approach that we would take um, or that I, I uh, always take. Um, to that kind of methods question. Um, uh, but but I think we came up with like, you know, kind of a, a really kind of, we hope sort of easier to follow kind of straightforward model um, that again, if you can make it kind of transparent, other people can, can also run with it, right? They can tweak it and do their own things with it. So um, that was sort of our kind of- I remember country. a lot of this was a, was a argue, you know, our argument between each other, trying to convince each other of points, and uh, and Jenny kept making a good point of saying, we want somebody that's you know sitting in a master's program to be able to sit down and work through our model and understand it more clearly than if they had just read an entire paper. It, a lot of the model in there was originally as an appendix, um, and the referees actually asked us to move it up into the the paper, which I think was helpful. But it, as a as a process, it was helpful to write that as a distinct element that wasn't in the original paper because we weren't counting on it. And that was really going to be like a teaching note um, that, that somebody could work through as a class example to demonstrate the concepts in a practical way. 
So one of the things that struck me, and I'm not a formal modeler, and I've never been trained in, in, in a program that, that did very much of that at all, um, but I was able to follow along. So there, I, th there's, there's a few pieces to that. One of them you've alluded to that the model is in and of itself fairly um, simple. It's, it's easy for someone who's uh, not sort of steeped in equations and, and, and formal modeling to sort of understand the gist of it and get their, their uh, head around. But then secondly, the, introdu the uh, introduction and the, the, the bookends of the paper, the introduction and the discussion are quite pragmatic. Um, and so, you know, you can put yourself in the shoes of being the manager of a, of a, a, a not-for-profit organization and, and grapple with some of those challenges. And then thirdly, the two examples that you sort of follow up with, I think it's the example of goodwill, which most people in the United States at least will be able to relate to. And then I think it was the San Francisco Chamber Orchestra or Symphony Orchestra, um, and 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 sort of the the ver very pragmatic um, application of the ideas. Um, so, can you just give us a little bit of a sense of um, what was some of your process and some of your maybe challenges and what you did to overcome them? To number one, write a fairly simple and accessible introduction and discussion section, and number two find sort of really relatable, pragmatic examples that could illustrate and bring the more complex elements of the paper to life? Um, we had started with, again, like not with the equations, right? Like that was something we weren't going to do. And we thought, well, if this is something for like master's students, you know, to understand, we would, we would do a lot with the examples. Um, and we started with several other examples, I think, right? So, um, but we we, we kind of came down to the two that we, that are in the paper um, because they illustrate different kinds of decisions. So that's, that was kind of how I remembered that. Greg, some of it is the audience too. Uh, our original working paper was not targeted towards academics. Um, it was targeted towards this nonprofit literature, which you're always thinking about a, a smart executive director of a nonprofit organization, what problems are they facing? And you're writing a practitioner article towards them. That was the, the origin uh, and the original idea. And only when, when we discovered that, hey, there might be some broader application to this, we might be actually stumbling upon a, a, a broader context for this question, did we then back in and actually try to make it more generalizable? And in fact, through the revision process, uh, the referees definitely encouraged us to make the the subject more generalizable uh, to the nonprofit sector, but even as you're alluding to, maybe even perhaps beyond what the nonprofit sector is, uh, that certainly wasn't the original intent, but it may have made, and thank you for that compliment, uh, it may have made the paper more readable uh, and, and approachable even in that context. Yeah, I mean, I mean, one of the interesting things to me as I read through the paper was, I, I thought about using it to teach platform theory because, um, or to teach the, the concept of platforms, because it forces, the, the minute you say multi-sided platform, everybody thinks, oh, Facebook. Yeah. And so they get into, very much into, 
well, how does Facebook work or how does uh, you use the, the, the Microsoft example in the, in the paper just in terms of some of the review stuff? But it forces you to think about, well, what is a platform actually and what purpose does it serve and how do we, what, what are the levers we've got to pull to make that platform work and connect in a much more um, theoretical way compared to what one might do because you know what Airbnb have done or what Uber have done or what Facebook have done. And it becomes, in, in those situations, it becomes very um, uh, uh, sort of embedded in the technology and in the brand and in how they're known, whereas here it becomes, well, let's truly understand platforms and platform pricing and the options that 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 managers have got in managing those prices. So, um, so I hope and I believe and I, I am encouraged by the fact that I think this paper will have a much broader application than even you might have intended when you first wrote it. <laughs> it's very fine. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. And, and it really does just back the problem up. Instead of putting the nonprofit as the focus of attention, it brings back the attention to, back a step to saying, well, what do donors want to get done? And what's the technology that they can use to do that? So if they want to solve malaria or provide a, a symphony uh, or whatever it is, platforms are now a technology or a mechanism rather than just emphasizing the, the organization itself. Yeah. I, and I agree, you know, Greg, you mentioned earlier, you know, social enterprises. And so I teach entrepreneurship. Um, I'm at Cal State Monterey. And, um, you know, so we, we require students to take entrepreneurship in the business school. And, um, you know, time and again, students come to class with social goals, right? And that I think that's which is which is such a heartening thing to see um, in that next generation um, of, of students. And um, this is a way for them to think about markets, you know, and is this a is this a, a nonprofit? Well, you know, what does the demand curve look like for donors? That's it's a it's a business um, analysis at, that um, you know we want our students to be able to do. So um, yeah, I definitely see this as, you know, having a role in different kinds of the classes that we all teach and um, hopefully in, in, in research that we and others do uh, going forward. Awesome. So um, has this led to any other work for either one of you or potentially both of you working together? Uh, what, what has evolved the, the paper's been out for a little bit of time now. Um, what are you thinking about as sort of maybe next projects from this or next steps from this? And and what do you think are other things that you might not be working on that other people could think about in relation to the paper that you've you've written for AMR? And I'd like each one of you to sort of have a have a have a, a reflection on wh where do you go? Where are you going next personally, and where could other people go next? with what you've put out there? Well, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll start then. So we, we really viewed this paper as a, as a test case. Can, can platform theory be applicable in the nonprofit sector and how do we set some terminology correct and some concepts? And, and this is the test case for that. Uh, and we, we believe we, we made a lot of uh, advancement there, but, but moving forward, now there's a lot of more specific questions. Uh, there's two projects that, that Jenny and I are currently working on. Uh, one is a more specific pricing question 
because we, we actually backed off from that question a little bit to, to make the paper more general. But there's lots of weird questions. Uh, existing theory didn't really have any place for negative prices, which are actually quite common in the nonprofit sector when you start thinking about subsidies. Uh, and so having some guidance for either researchers, nonprofits, nonprofit managers to think about, well, when do you set low prices or high prices or negative prices to achieve specific social objectives? So we, we've written up uh, some extensions to that model that's currently under review now. Um, we've also talked, and I'll, and I'll let Jenny talk about this one, um, about the decision whether to add sites or not. How do you decide what products to add or how you see that as a positive or a negative as mission creep uh, and thinking about uh, how that might work. So I'll hand that over to her to discuss. Yeah, uh, right. So we um, were thinking, you know, as sort of, Next, so, so this paper ended up in an Academy of Management journal, um, and there are you know nonprofit journals as well, and that's an audience that we were interested in you know in in speaking to or speaking with, and so what an idea we had this idea um, of of taking sort of four sets of strategic decisions. So in the platform literature, Andre Haju has a a paper that I really like um, in uh, the Sloan Management Review, um, and it's a you know a practitioner journal, and so he lays out, and I just love how he lays out these sort of strategic issues in four categories: pricing, you know, what sides, um, ease of use or, or design, and um, and then governance. And so we thought, well, we could we could take our idea and and write a paper on each one of these and that could be you know as a suite you know something useful to managers again in that nonprofit literature so we're kind of that sort of a docket if you will um but also there's um because the because the nonprofits can be modeled using orthodox economic models and theory um, there's also an opportunity to think um, more broadly about things like public choice. Um, and so how do, um, you know, how do nonprofits and tax deductions, um, what, what kinds of things are people able to do using nonprofits, which are kind of unaccountable organizations using, you know, this tax benefit um, so other kind of questions um, in the economy, kind of thinking about how public choices get implemented, either through taxation or nonprofits and for profits. Um, that's another area that seems doable. And if somebody would want to do that, that would, then we wouldn't have to. <laughs> so any of these things, like if somebody could do that, then we wouldn't have to. That'd be great. Yeah, it seems like at, at a very broad level, there's definitely two layers of opportunity that that this opens up, and and then in each case, there's probably two sides to it. But but the the one layer of opportunity, I think, which is maybe a little a little more distant from the paper, but but definitely has the opportunity to to build on this work, is what you might think of at a policy level that that comes from thinking about the implications of pricing and value creation and value creation on either side in the context of a, a, a non-profit or not-for-profit. So, um, so, so the sort of policy implications are, and, and, and what, what might we do to facilitate 
um, the sustainability of and further uh, uh, creation of value by not-for-profits at, at the sort of national level. Um, and modeling some of that could be interesting based on, on what you've laid out. But then the second, which I think is a little bit closer to where you've come at this from, is well, what are the implications for uh, not-for-profit managers and then their sort of constituents, their donors and their um, uh, and, and the, the, the parties that they're serving um, is, is the sort of other, other layer. One of the things that struck me is there's another paper that's very recently been accepted at AMR, which I think has an interesting intersection with this paper, which is titled Pay What You Want Pricing, Creating and Capturing Value Through Social Exchange. And it examines this phenomenon where, where um, uh, certain organizations, and in some cases they are not-for-profits, um, and in other cases they are for-profit organizations or, or social ventures, where they, where, but they, they create their, a, a, a pricing structure where their customers or users can just pay what they want. And they sort of explore it in, in all these different settings. And it struck me that some of the not-for-profits in the town in which I live, Bloomington, Indiana, have specifically adopted that is their pricing structure. I'm thinking of the local theater company. Given what the disruption that COVID created, they sort of adopted the San Francisco Chamber Orchestra yeah. example that you've got in the paper where they said, well, we would actually be okay with going to zero, but maybe some of our patrons would be willing to pay something. And so they sort of utilized that pay what you want pricing strategy. But they could have gotten to that quite effectively using some of the modeling that, that you utilized and said, okay, well, there's different utilities here and different, different constituents at play. And we've, we still want to keep our sponsors in, 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 um, interested in what we're doing. So I think there's an interesting linkage between those two papers. That paper is by um, uh, David, uh, David Ross and uh, uh, Moon Shin. And uh, and that they've just released it. Pay what you want pricing. So so I think there's an interesting intersection there that could be further explored and and sort of a, a stream of research around this notion of pricing in these different contexts. Uh, Craig, I think you got it exactly right. Um, some of the most sophisticated price discriminators out there are nonprofit organizations, yeah. uh, and using that as a tool and a, and a managerial tool. So you, yeah, you can think about it at that level. And there's certainly many new avenues, in particular new technologies um, that, that can be explored in that. And at the same time, there's all these policy level decisions. Um, if we think that nonprofits or profit deviating organizations more generally are effective tools to generate social welfare, how do we do that? How do we make that, in, that ecology flourish? And what problems are our policy problems? And what are inherent in information problems or free writing uh, you know what things are are based there. This these kind of models help distinguish what those problems are. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you both for um, uh, for the opportunity to talk about your paper, for putting the effort into putting it together, for submitting it, and going through the rigors of of having it reviewed at AMR. Um, we're glad as a as a journal and as an editorial team to be able to um, publish it. 
And uh, I just want to leave the audience with, uh, with really a, a few interesting takeaways from all of this. Uh, uh, that's number one. I think um, starting with an interesting phenomenon is an interesting place to start theorizing. And uh, I've written a, a, an editorial on phenomenon-based theorizing. And I think that's essentially what's going on here. You've looked at the phenomenon of pricing in, in uh, nonprofits and said, where do we go from there? And then layered on the theory, brought in the theory and, uh, and, and modeled it very effectively. So that's number one. Number two, I think um, uh, the opportunity to um, take what are, are two fairly well-known and, and established areas of research and bring them together in a novel way is an interesting way to think about research. So well done on, on, on doing that. And I think number three, attacking it, ultimately attacking it by having a formal model and a set of equations in the paper is very useful, but keeping them fairly simple, fairly accessible and fairly relatable to a more general audience um, is also useful and backing it up with simple, direct, straightforward writing in order to support it such that it doesn't become too academic or too sophisticated for anyone else to understand. So I think those are, you know, for people who are interested in looking at the paper for different reasons, those are all good reasons to look at this paper, to build on it, um, whether you're interested in not-for-profits or not, whether you're interested in multi-sided platforms or not, there are a variety of additional reasons to um, digest this paper, look at it, and enjoy it. So thank you for the opportunity to talk about it on the AMR Origin series. Greg, thank you so much for your kind words. You are very generous, and we really appreciate this opportunity. Thanks, Greg.